0: Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. We are into the first round of basketball's playoffs, and it has been incredibly, incredibly enjoyable. Some series may be all but done, uh, Toronto Raptors, and others are just getting more intense. BetOnline is the place to stop for all of your bets, props, odds, wagers, gambles, Plays and any and everything gambling during the basketball playoffs. Use our promo code BLEAVE, B L E A V, to get a 50% welcome bonus when you sign up using the link in the description to this episode. Bet online, where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However and whenever it is you may be listening, thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode. Of the Take It Easy podcast live on the Believe Podcast Network. Except it isn't live because it's a podcast. Welcome in everybody. It is Draft Day 2022. I hope you all are having a fantabulous Day thus far. If you're stopping in after draft day 2022, we appreciate your support of this here fine podcast. Make sure to download, leave a five star review, all that good stuff. Walter Mitchell is going to be giving us the draft synopsis here this year because Blake Jude is out in Vegas for the NFL draft. It's going to be very fun. And Walter and I have a mock draft in under 20 minutes to hit you with on draft day, as is per tradition, except for the one year we didn't do it as per tradition last year, because we did a mock draft on Wednesday, and then the Thursday of the draft, I decided to do a redraft of the 2020 draft, and it was one of our least popular podcasts ever, nothing to do with the reposting of the mock draft, but just because It's draft day. There's a lot of content out there. I'm sure a lot of you listening are searching for content right now. There's just a lot of it going around right now on draft day. And so when we're not talking about the draft, sometimes it fades to the background a little bit with all the draft news and coverage and information, of which we'll talk about on Friday on the Take It Easy podcast. All the picks, all the breakdowns, all the news, information, and thoughts shall be delivered here on this fine podcast and uh, we're going to be anarchists and do a redraft of 2021 because last year's was incredibly unpopular, and so I'm going to be an anarchist and decide to do it again this year. But we begin with Walter Mitchell and our final 2022 mock draft in under 20 minutes. Use it, anyways. Mock draft. This is going to drop on draft day, even though we're recording it 48 hours before the draft. So if a trade has happened, I apologize in advance. But it's our draft day, mock draft, under 20 minutes. I have the first pick. And with that first pick, the Jacksonville Jaguars select Trayvon Walker, defensive lineman from Georgia, which may sound strange because all of your mock drafts had... Well, on Thibodeau for months, and then Aiden Hutchinson. But now, Trayvon Walker is the betting favorite to be the number one pick in the NFL draft. And I trust Vegas more than I trust anyone else in gathering sports information. So, Jacksonville, Trayvon Walker, pick one.
1: Pick two. Pick two. Detroit Lions. Hometown hero, Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan. Defensive end, edge extraordinaire no-brainer.
0: just a match made in heaven for Detroit, even if they will ruin his career somehow. Anyways, pick three, Houston. It's the same one we had last time. Kavon Thibodeau, Edge Rusher, Oregon. Pure talent. Everyone's saying he's the number one guy in the draft class in terms of talent. Uh, I don't know why he's no longer the number one pick, but I will take Thibodeau for Houston, because Houston just needs talent. Their their best player, their position of need is everything. So they'll add Thibodeau to the mix.
1: Yeah, yeah that that duck can scoop.
0: <laughs> I like that. The
1: With the, the fourth pick, the New York Jets, J E T S Jets 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 select Sauce Gardner, cornerback, Cincinnati Bearcats, the big corner. Fits will fit in great when Robert Salah's deep defense, um, and he's he's pleased and uh, to put a little sauce on his defense. Good pick, I like it.
0: Gi- Giants have pick five, they're gonna take Ika Akwanu, offensive lineman extraordinaire from NC State Wolfpack. Uh, yeah, NC State is a fine football program. This guy's really big and strong. Offensive linemen are good for being big and strong. They'll either be left guard or right tackle on the New York Giants. So, Aquanu, pick five. Giants, biggest position of need.
1: Carolina Panthers at pick six. Quarterback Malik Willis, Liberty. Fell in love with him at his pro day. He was chatting it up with Matt Rule on the sidelines. The two of them were doing wink-winks. I picked up on it. You hear it or heard it here first. They're going to jump for Malik at this spot.
0: I would be surprised if it happens, but also smokescreens. The Carolina Panthers would either be executing an amazing smokescreen or they're just really dumb. And I trust that the Panthers are closer to being really dumb. But who knows? They might take Malik Willis because Matt Rule and him have that special connection. So pick seven, Giants. Jermaine Johnson, edge rusher, Florida State. If the Giants could, they get one of those big three at pick number five, whether it be Hutchinson, Walker, or Thibodeau. If none of them fall, they'll take Jermaine Johnson to go along with their pick from last year, Aziz Ogelare. So they add two edge rushers to the New York football giants.
1: The Atlanta Falcons at pick eight. Jameson Williams, wide receiver, Alabama. He uh, slides right in um, in, a, in a huge area of need now that uh, basically the whole wide receiver unit left the building and out in uh, Atlanta. And now, Jamison Williams, the premier, take the top off the defense wide receiver, lands it in hot Atlanta. With
0: Marcus Mariota. Pick nine, Seattle. BPA pick Evan Neal, offensive tackle from Alabama, who is six foot seven and over 300 pounds. And Russell Wilson is upset that they didn't get the offensive lineman help he needed. So Seattle drafts a left tackle or, or right tackle, but probably left tackle of the future in
1: Evan Neal. At 10, New York Jets, second pick, Chris Olave, wide receiver. Ohio State uh, fits their style, um, gives them a big play-wide receiver with uh, speed and just just sheer um, uh, ease of movement.
0: Pick 11, Washington, selecting the safety from Notre Dame, Kyle Hamilton, As a BPA pick. That's the simplest way I can explain it. They drafted Cameron Curl in like the third round a couple years ago. It's turned into a pretty good pick. Put Kyle Hamilton right alongside him. It's rare that you get that caliber of talent at pick 11. Because people are talking about him the way they talked about our buddy Micah Parsons last year. It would be insane if he fell out of the top 10. So Kyle Hamilton will slide in nicely for Washington at pick 11.
1: Yeah, was Something magical about a Hamilton in Washington. So that's that's a play for another time. Okay, on to the twelfth pick: the Vikings select Derek Stingley Jr. cornerback LSU. Uh, He joins Patrick Peterson uh, as a a pair of LSU corners um, and can learn from uh, the great Sir Patrick.
0: Yes, and sliding in instead of Pam Dansler, who at one point was the worst-rated corner in the NFL last year. So good little corner two there. 13, Texans, pick second pick of the draft. Everything is a need. They'll take Nakobe Dean, linebacker from Georgia. They're at pick number 13, slide him into a depleted defense. I guess I guess, led by Lovey Smith. I guess Lovey's missed the coach now, but I guess he still leads the defense for another year. So, yeah, Houston, the Kobe Dean.
1: Lovey's going to love that pick. At 14, the Ravens select Trent McDuffie, cornerback, UW Washington, or UDB Washington, uh, all-purpose corner who can play inside, outside, and he fits their style of play. Uh, The kid's a baller.
0: All right. We have our trade that of course I had to throw in here to spice things up a little bit in exchange for two first round picks. The Kansas city chiefs are going to move up to number 15 in this draft. They'll trade pick 29 and pick number. I'm sorry. Their first round pick next year. Maybe if it's too much, the the Eagles will throw in a fourth round pick or something, but the the bulk of the trade is two first round picks so that Kansas City can select Garrett Wilson, the wide receiver from Ohio State, as their I guess wide receiver two at this point. But also I love Nicole Hardman and also recognize Nicole Hardman's leaving as a free agent after next year. So maybe five years of a bona fide wide receiver on a rookie contract will help out Kansas City replace the production lost by Tyreek Hill. So Garrett Wilson premium wide receiver. Fell to 15. Kansas City wanted to jump the Saints to go get him.
1: And the Saints were their number 16 pick. First of two in this round. Charles Cross. Tackle Mississippi State. Uh, Wow. Um, Maybe the most uh, fundamental tackle certainly in this draft, but um, in in many moons. This guy is, puts on a clinic.
0: All right. I would also like to point out the irony of the fact that Kansas City jumps New Orleans to draft a player New Orleans wanted because that's literally what they did when they got Patrick Mahomes. They had to jump the Saints at 11, so they got up to 10 and picked Patrick Mahomes. Very funny how that worked out. Maybe yeah, it'll work so- out again. The Saints got mossed again. Once again, they get their heart ripped out, although this time it's Dennis Allen instead. Chargers, 17, selecting Jordan Davis, defensive lineman, Georgia, sliding in very nicely in what was the worst rush defense in the NFL last season. So regardless of where they play Jordan Davis, it will help. It will certainly help them, given how terrible they were at stopping the run last year.
1: Eagles at 18, now they get their first pick. Drake London, wide receiver, USC. Gives them big-bodied wide receiver um, to go uh, complement their speedsters.
0: And then the Saints, with their second pick at 19, will select Devin Lloyd, which I think the last time we did this, I had Lloyd picked at 16 by the Saints. Now they get him at 19. They're very happy with that decision. And the Saints got two first-round picks this year because they want to compete this year. So they'll add Devin Lloyd, slide him in at linebacker, help out the defense. Saints.
1: Maybe they'll shut out Tom Brady again with that defense. Maybe. Who knows? At 20, the Pittsburgh Steelers select Traylon Burks, wide receiver Arkansas. Move over, Juju. Here comes Traylon. Yeah,
0: with Claypool and Deontay Johnson, who I forgot made a Pro Bowl last season, and Janaji Harris and Friar Muth. Ooh, Steelers just keep drafting weapons, and they're really good at it, too. All of them end up being awesome. So, Traylon Burks is the guy for Pittsburgh. Patriots 21. They're just going to go position of need. Andrew Booth, Corner, Clemson, slide on in for the production level lost by J.C. Jackson. It's a nice little plug and play there for our buddy Bill Belichick, who loves his defense and his interior offensive lineman. But
1: he'll go defense this time. 22, the Packers, first of two picks. Jahan Dotson, wide receiver, Penn State. He's a Dotson who runs like a Ferrari.
0: (laughs) I like that. All right. Walter's beloved Arizona Cardinals at 23. Now I get to make the pick this time for Arizona. And if you want to hear more Cardinals talk, check out the Red Rain podcast, wherever you get podcasts. Cardinals select. Zion Johnson from Walter's Alma Mater. uh, Alma Mater, Boston College. University. That is a guard. You have heard me come on this podcast and joke about how Max Garcia was trying to block Aaron Donald in a playoff game. So they draft an offensive lineman on the inside with a first round pick. So Arizona
1: gets the best guard on the board. At 24, the Cowboys select Christian Watson, wide receiver, North Dakota State. Uh, the speedster with size, uh, make up for the, um, the loss of, uh, um, oh gosh. Um, they're white- yeah, Mari Cooper, excuse me. Um, in a, in a big way and, uh, takes a top off so that CD lamb can rule the middle.
0: That is how the Cowboys offense rules. It's heavy passing game. Very good there. I like it, actually. It's spicy. It's a it's a spicy draft pick for the Cowboys. All right. 25, Buffalo. Cornerback, Kyler Gordon from UW. Two UW corners in the first round. They're going to happen at some point. I'll give them to the Buffalo because Buffalo just kind of needs to slide in that slot corner position. They don't have a huge need either anywhere other than running back, which – I hope they trade that pick for a running back. But in the meantime, they'll take a slot corner. It's a position of need for Buffalo, especially after that playoff
1: game last year. Right? here. At 26, the Titans, they love drafting slobber knockers to play on the offensive line, and they got one of the ultimate ones here. in Tyler Smith, tackle, guard, Tulsa. Kids, uh, wow pop and play. And, uh, and I'm sure that uh, they're going to be really excited about what he brings to that running game.
0: And follow you up, a string of offensive linemen. Tampa Bay is going to take Kenyon Green. Offensive tackle, Texas – or, sorry, offensive guard, Texas A&M. Slide in for the loss of Alex Kappa on the offensive line. So, nice little pickup there for Tampa Bay on the interior.
1: Right. Yeah. And they covered the Ali Marpet loss with trading for Shaq um, Mason from. the. You from are the correct. Patriots. Yeah. At twenty eighth in the second Packers pick, they're going to have uh, cheese heads uh, cheering at the top of their lungs for Leo Chanel linebacker, Wisconsin can play outside, can play inside, Kid's a baller.
0: That is exactly what the Packers need, because I've been joking for years that they've been unable to have linebackers, (laughs) and they got Devondre Campbell, so that kind of fixed the problem last year. But they do need a lot of linebacker help. All right, Philadelphia, at 29, because remember they traded with Kansas City back in pick 15, and they get a guy they might have taken at pick 15, Trevor Penning tackle northern iowa best player available pick for the eagles right now it's set up the eagles get three first round picks next year too so they'll just take some bpas fill out the rest of the roster and see where it goes from there so philadelphia is going to just take bpa and go with trevor penning at pick 29
1: and at pick 30 the chiefs select kair elam cornerback florida gators uh, Fills a need for them, and uh, you know, this, this kid is a true Gator. He's a, he's a, he's a force, and um, a little inconsistent, but um, has all the attributes you look for in a um, cover corner, and he'll slide right in there and probably start from day one for them. 31,
0: Cincinnati. Tyler Linderbaum, the center from Iowa and Cincinnati. It was just a matter of which offensive lineman to take. I'm sure they would have given up a fourth round pick to swap with Philadelphia and get Trevor Penning. But in this mock draft, they will settle for an interior lineman on this year draft board. Tyler Linderbaum to the Bengals.
1: And with the final pick of the first round, at pick 32, the Detroit Lions pick Lewis Seen, Cine, C-I-N-E, safety of Georgia. If you watch the title game, uh, he took the romance out of the short passing game. And uh, he's a baller. He's from my neck of the woods in Everett, Massachusetts, uh, Was Gatorade. Uh, defensive player of the year in Massachusetts as a junior, then moved to Texas. Uh, the kid is uh, 4 3 speed. He's about 6 1. Um, he was an underrated, I think, player in that great Georgia defense. And the Lions, keep your eye on the Lions. They're going to start roaring on defense.
0: Lions need some talent, and they're going to get two picks to start that out. I still am fascinated by the fact that the Lions. Had they taken the Panthers' offer last year and, like, done wrong by Matthew Stafford, they might have ended up with Micah Parsons. I'll always think about that what if, because the the Panthers offered Teddy Bridgewater in the eight pick last year's draft. Micah was there on the board. I'll always wonder what would have happened for the Lions in that case, but they did right by their beloved Matthew Stafford, and that pick turns into a stud of a linebacker from Georgia. So I mentioned it off the top of the podcast. Last year we were doing an exorbitant amount of content and putting way too much of our emotional stability into the NFL and the NFL draft. And so this year we have been more detached from the NFL draft and more detached from sports as a whole as life goes back to normal and you have priorities and perspectives and responsibilities all kinds of stuff that makes your life a little bit easier now, two plus years removed from the heart of a global pandemic, which I guess is kind of like a line of demarcation on life now for a lot of people. So it's interesting how that perspective has changed, because the thing I've kind of accepted about this year's draft, and I think last year was a tipping point for me, because even last year I said, I don't know how any of this is going to work out. And yet we were so absolutely adamant that Mac Jones going with pick number three is absolutely insane. And by the way, with good reason to believe that to be the case, because Mac Jones is not talented compared to the other four quarterbacks in the NFL draft. You will take those raw abilities and circumstance to explain away why the other quarterbacks have not played as well as we may have liked in this situation. And so There's more talent evaluators than there is talent to evaluate, and so I think we've gotten really good at the draft analysis. Once people get to a certain place, it's fit and circumstance that ends up derailing people's careers because it's not that difficult to figure out who is what caliber of player. We know that for the most part, every draft scout pretty much agrees on who the five best corners are, who the five best wide receivers are. There may be debate about the order, but overwhelmingly people know where these players kind of fit in. And as I was filling out a mock draft for last year's draft, a redraft of sorts, For 2021, I realized, yeah, most of the talented players supersede the really good single seasons by less talented players, and so this is a difficult balance that you figure out, and I didn't really go through the process of evaluating this year, similarly to past years where I took the advice of Blake Jude, and I take the expertise of Blake Jude above all else when doing this analysis, in part because he's doing the work, and part because Blake is my friend, and I'd like to further along his career by bringing up his name in all of these conversations because he's really putting in work to do draft scouting and draft analysis every single year. And so I take that expertise and that's what I use to do the evaluation. Because the thing I will say is there are going to be stars in this NFL draft class. There might even be a generational star in this year's NFL draft class. And those stars are just ones that we don't know right now. We don't know who's going to be a stud. In fact, the top pick is a total unknown at this point. It might be Trayvon Walker. I didn't know who the bleep Trayvon Walker was until a few weeks ago. Similar to how when we did a mock draft in January of 2021, we had Kyle Pitts going like pick 15 and then he rose to the top five Once people actually started doing the draft analysis and listening to NFL people say, yeah, this guy is an absolutely ridiculous specimen of a human being and is going to get drafted really high. And so, or actually, he's going to be drafted over Jamar Chase. And you could reasonably make an argument that it wasn't the right pick, but it wasn't the wrong pick to take Kyle Pitts over Jamar Chase. And so, there's going to be stars There's going to be great players in this draft class. We don't know who they are. And I trust that the best players will end up in the best circumstances because that's generally how this works. Sometimes the star player overcomes situation to become a generational star. Sometimes it's just destined in the cards like Chase Young. We all knew Chase Young in a normal draft class would be a number one pick. And by normal draft class, I mean one that doesn't have Joe Burrow. There's no version of that this year. So maybe chaos will ensue maybe it won't either way it'll be fun to watch it happen and figure out who the generational stars are down the road i've heard people say that like kyle hamilton is the best safety prospect in 15 years or since jamal adams and even he like i had him going fourth in mock drafts and blake jude had him going fourth in mock drafts and in other drafts he i mean he went 11 when we did the one with walter right now so it'll be really interesting to see where it goes I'm not going to be predisposed this year to saying this guy's better than this guy because I'm taking the advice of Blake Jude and last year it was just the eye test of Mac Jones like just the idiocy of Mac Jones being drafted over Trey Lance and in the grand scheme of things every well first of all we don't know about Trey Lance so verdict out on that but also Mac Jones was the best of the rookies and that was an incredibly low bar to hit because Mac Jones was a pretty average quarterback last year inheriting a really great situation in New England. So, all of that to say, I'm interested to see how this year's draft goes, and in true anarchist fashion, we are going to repeat the mistakes of last year, of absolutely terrible podcast redrafting the 2020 draft class by doing it again in 2021. So here is the 2021 draft class for... The Well, I guess this is the 2022 redraft of the 2021 draft class on draft day. We begin number one pick, Jacksonville Jaguars. Select Micah Parsons, linebacker, Penn State, originally going to the Dallas Cowboys. Number two, New York Jets. Jets will select Jamar Chase, wide receiver out of LSU, They could have gone a bunch of different directions here. They'll go with Chase and figure out the quarterback position later. Three 49ers trade three first-round picks. Who are you going to select? How about Rashawn Slater, the tackle who made a second-team All-Pro last year, and most people don't talk about the fact he made a second-team All-Pro. Rashawn Slater. Number four, the Atlanta Falcons select Trevor. Lawrence with the fourth pick in the draft five Cincinnati Kyle Pitts not again it's a worse pick than Jamar Chase also not really that much worse Six, Miami, Jalen Waddle. They could have gone quarterback. They still want to get Tom Brady to be the president of their football team and eventually become quarterback at 46, and Steven Ross is so disillusioned that he's going to trade two first-round picks to get Jarvis Landry 2.0. Jarvis Landry 2.0, apparently worth the number six pick in the class, ahead of Detroit at seven, selecting Trey Lance. Quarterback from North Dakota State. Eight, the Carolina Panthers select Zach Wilson, quarterback from BYU. They are going to take the quarterback, and maybe that saves Joe Brady's job. Who knows? We'll figure it out later. Nine, Denver Broncos select Najee Harris. A running back from the Pittsburgh Steelers, a.k.a. Alabama, a.k.a. greatest high school football player ever. 10. The Eagles still trade up to select Devonta Smith. Number 11. Bears still trade up to select Justin Fields. Did I pick four quarterbacks ahead of Mac Jones? You're damn right I picked four quarterbacks ahead of Mac Jones, and I don't give a bleep. 12. The Dallas Cowboys select Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. Could he have gone ahead of Justin Fields? Entirely possible. But the Dallas Cowboys get themselves a J-O-K. Thirteen, Chargers. Pene Sewell, the offensive tackle from Oregon, who is a generational talent. And really good, by the way. Maybe the Broncos would have liked him over Najee Harris, but they'll take the quarterback premium. Ahead of Penny Sewell. And uh, also ahead of the, the four quarterbacks that still somehow got drafted. Because people are still willing to take a risk on all those quarterbacks even after one season. 14 pay, uh, Jets select Mac Jones. Mac Jones to Jamar Chase. Maybe it works out for the Jets. 15 Patriots, Trayvon Merrig. the Well, I guess Trayvon Merig would be safety. In this situation. 16 Cardinals. Pat Sertan second, 17 Raiders. Christian Derisaw. Who was originally picked 23. In the NFL draft. 18 Dolphins. Jalen Phillips. Another one of those same team same pick moves. Uh, next up. The Washington football team. Center Creed Humphrey. From the Kansas City Chiefs and uh, Oklahoma University. 20, Christian Barmore. Christian Barmore is going to be a New York Giant right alongside Leonard Williams. 21 is Nick Bolton. Nick Bolton is going to play. Four, I forgot who has that pick. Oh, the Indianapolis Colts. The Indianapolis Colts walk away with one. Nick Bolton. 22 is going to be the Tennessee Titans they are going to select Greg Newsom the 3rd with their 22nd pick that originally went to to Caleb Farley and they ended up going with the same position of need 23 Vikings Evan McPherson hell yeah the Vikings are going to take Evan McPherson the greatest of all time Evan McPherson He's a kicker and he's getting drafted in the first round and the Vikings don't have to worry about their kicking problems for the end of time. twenty four Steelers, Elijah Vera Tucker. Twenty-five, Jacksonville Jaguars, Aziz Ojolare. He was drafted like the eighth edge rusher, but he had eight sacks as a rookie, so Aziz Ojolare gets that rookie number boost there. 26 Cleveland Browns J.C. Horn originally the 8th pick in the draft got hurt week 3 never returned Cleveland takes the talent at 26 27 Baltimore Amon ra St. Brown 28 Saints quitty Pay, 29 Packers zavon Collins 30 the Buffalo Bills Javon Holland 31 Baltimore Ravens Odafa Owe by the way Owe repeat pick for the Baltimore Ravens. They actually picked him in real life. 22, or 32 Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Trey Smith, offensive lineman taken by Kansas City. Two Kansas City chief offensive linemen ended up making the all-rookie team, according to the Pro Football Writers Association of America. That is your redraft of the 2021 NFL Draft. Do I regret having Justin Fields go to the Bears? Yes, I do. JOK should have been the pick there. Cowboys maybe take Sewell. 13, uh, who knows, whoever the Chargers end up taking, maybe saw 14, uh, let's say the Jets take, I don't know, uh, maybe the Jets take Mac Jones, and 15, the Patriots take Justin Fields, who knows, maybe the Patriots do walk away with Justin Fields, like the pipe dream I imagine that would have made Justin Fields an amazing NFL quarterback, To wrap up this here fine NFL Draft Day podcast, I'd like to do a little bit of a memes of the weekend type of content piece because there we could continue talking about the NFL Draft. We could continue talking about the NBA playoffs, which happened to be existing simultaneously with said NFL Draft. And we could be talking about All kinds of stuff around those content pieces. We could also keep talking about Deshaun Watson and the ongoing situation there. There's all sorts of topics and points that I'd like to talk about. And yet, I'd like to turn to baseball on this here fine NFL Draft Day. Even though I've said many times that the baseball regular season is wholly irrelevant. As long as you get to the playoffs, then you're good. It's a crapshoot once you get there. Best teams are generally the teams we think are the best teams. There's a few surprises every year. San Francisco Giants last year, massive surprise. Um, twenty twenty, the Miami Marlins, massive surprise in a shortened regular season. Twenty nineteen or twenty eighteen, I think was the Colorado Rocky year or the Milwaukee Brewer year. There's a few strange examples in between, but altogether kind of can get an example of Major League Baseball from of large sample size. And I haven't really watched any baseball this year because I've barely had time to watch any basketball this year. And so I've been out on that sport. It's not really important in April and May unless you like it for the entertainment value, of which there are other forms of entertainment, including human interaction. Something happened in the Mets-Cardinals game that piqued my interest, and it was a baseball fight baseball fights that everyone is out on because unwritten rules of baseball are incredibly dumb and unwritten rules of baseball are incredibly dumb because they harken back to an immigrant age back in the 1920s and 30s that people want to protect and preserve because it was a time when baseball was the most popular sport in america and meant something different than in america that has completely changed over the last hundred years and it's like a small little piece of americana that's dying out as the world evolves around it. And so Major League Baseball has these weird unwritten rules, and one of the unwritten rules is you the legislation of the game is by throwing at other players the same way hockey used to legislate by fighting and the nba used to legislate by fighting until the nba had a malice at the palace moment and until the nhl had a concussion lawsuit similar to the nfl all of a sudden fights are phased out of hockey fights are eliminated in basketball because the players were punching the customers and running into the stands and swinging with dust pans they got rid of fights And baseball is trying to do the same thing. They're trying to legislate out the unwritten rules. And they're also taking out my favorite thing about baseball, which is baseball fights. Baseball fights are incredibly difficult to explain to people who don't understand baseball. If I were doing stand-up comedy right now and I were trying to explain baseball fights to people, it would be incredibly funny. The idea that, okay, because you looked in the direction of one of my players, and because you hit a home run off of one of my players, or because the other person got hit by a pitch and now everyone's unhappy, we're going to legislate baseball by throwing at each other. We're going to throw 95 mile an hour baseballs at each other's heads. And I don't like the fights from the standpoint of people getting hurt and fighting to avenge someone who got hurt by a baseball. It's incredibly stupid that we throw baseballs at sometimes unmarked faces or in the fact of Pete Alonso, a helmet that's falling off at the same time as the ball screaming towards its head. Baseball players should probably have more protective gear around their face and neck areas than what presently exists. And so you have a baseball fight where because the Mets got hit by pitches more than anyone in the ser- uh, any but he got hit by pitches a bunch by the Cardinals in the series when the Mets reliever came into the game he had to throw up and in at Nolan Arenado the best hitter on the St. Louis Cardinals and this is the same way Ronald Acuña Jr got hurt by Jose Orena and it's not good for baseball's bottom line when their stars are getting thrown at by opposing pitchers and so the unwritten rule is broken and they throw a pitch at nolan arenado it doesn't hit nolan arenado it just goes up and into nolan arenado he starts fighting with lopez the pitcher for the mets in a 10 to 5 game at two in the afternoon west coast time on a th- on a wednesday afternoon just a meaningless baseball game 10 to 5 throws up and in at arenado and arenado gets pissed And all of a sudden, we have a scuffle. I'm sorry, we have a benches-clearing situation. Because one of the things that happens in baseball is sometimes, and in fact 90% of the time, the benches clear, everyone stands in a circle for three minutes, everyone goes back to their benches, and occasionally you get the magical baseball fight. The magical baseball fight that includes Amir Garrett trying to charge the entire Pittsburgh Pirates team or Amir Garrett trying to punch, (laughs) running out of the dugout to try and go punch somebody and somehow not getting stopped by anyone. And all of this stuff is incredibly, incredibly fun when you get the actual baseball fights. The same way we enjoy violence of football when it's basically modern gladiators except they die outside the arena than inside the arena. The same way we like basketball fights when Serge Ibaka is the only one still fighting in the NBA. Why some hockey fans really enjoy the idea of a fight. It's really fun to watch these people fight poorly and occasionally fight really well because we get the viral moment of Rognet Odur Punching Jose Batista's glasses off his face and having Adrian Beltre carry him, Batista, off of the field, literally pick him up by his waist and carry him off of the fight. Sometimes we get that magical moment, and if you're a Texas Ranger fan, oh, it's so magical. So magical. That your buddy Rognet Odor punched Jose Batista's lights out because the year before Jose Batista hit a bat flip home run in the greatest baseball inning to ever be played. It took an hour and ten minutes long. It was impeccable. It was crazy. It was fun. It was the greatest inning of baseball ever. And you can write that story from a fight. The same way you can write Amir Garrett trying to fight the entire Pittsburgh Pirates baseball team. The same way you can write that time Yadier Molina shoved someone into a a netting behind home plate. The same way you can point to the greatest fight in the history of sports when Niger Morgan tried to charge... The mound and got clotheslined by Gabby Sanchez in a Nationals Marlins game that still lives in infamy for the rest of time because it is the greatest baseball fight ever, started by Niger Morgan and immediately ended at the expense of Niger Morgan. It was also a really bad Nationals team, which made it the embodiment of the tank that led to Bryce Harper and Steven Strasburg. And we got a baseball fight moment because we got a benches clearing brawl with people shoving and pushing and I'm watching this video for the first time I'm like is this a regular baseball fight is this a real baseball fight it was a real baseball fight and the first thing I saw on the video was people pushing people yelling at each other and then you see someone tackle Pete Alonso. And for people who do not know, Pete Alonso's nickname is the polar bear. Pete Alonso is approximately six foot three, two hundred and thirty pounds. This dude is a large baseball player, and baseball players are already large human beings. He's won a home run derby before, he's won a rookie of the year. This dude is a And Pete Alonzo gets tackled and you see a fight break out around him. And in that moment, I go back to the video and I try and figure out who is the guy who tackled Pete Alonzo. Because all the credit in the world to whoever decided I'm going to, from behind, tackle Pete Alonzo in a fight. It's like the guy who picks out the biggest guy in the bar and decides I'm going to fight them. And it took me like four minutes to try and figure out who it was because the jersey was covered, the face was covered, the camera angles didn't give us an exact number on it. And then I had to go to Twitter to find out the greatest moment in baseball fight ever. Not quite at the level of Niger Morgan getting clotheslined, but it is definitely one of the greatest moments ever. And it is not that it's Pete Alonso getting tackled by a player, it's Pete Alonso getting tackled by a coach. And you'd think to yourself, why would I not be able to discern that? Because baseball coaches still wear uniforms. It makes absolutely no sense why baseball coaches still wear uniforms, but they do. And this guy is a bald guy in his 50s named Stubby Clap. And I just couldn't stop laughing. I just couldn't stop laughing at the idea that not only was a man brave enough to tackle Pete Alonzo, it was a coach named Stubby Clap. Because in the analogy of walking into the bar and punching the biggest person in the room... That person is Stubby Clap. It doesn't matter what they look like, what they sound like, they are the equivalent of Stubby Clap. It's the most comedic name I've seen in a fighting situation. Yeah, Pete Alonzo got tackled. He got tackled by a coach. Wow, he got tackled by a coach. Who's the coach? Stubby Clap. The only other time we can think of coaches involved in fights is Jeff Van Gundy being dragged around by Alonzo Morning's ankles and Don Zimmer charging Pedro Martinez. And now we have Stubby Clap. Stubby Clap in a baseball fight, tackling Pete Alonzo and starting a couple other fun fights in the middle. By the way, after the game, Pete Alonzo has the line that I think is fantastic and Pete Alonzo's talked about battling mental health issues and depression and being bullied as a kid because he was overweight and all kinds of stuff like that and obviously he's now a massive star as a baseball player and talks about that stuff a lot and we have Pete Alonzo after the game saying about the fight with Stubby Clap that uh, Pete Alonzo quote if i wanted to put somebody in the hospital i easily could and he says he was protecting his teammates as he was thrown to the ground by stubby clap and uh it is incredible
1: what was going through your mind in that moment well i mean again i got pulled from behind actually genesis cabrera grabbed me by the back of the collar and then then he just uh, ripped down, and then the coach just kind of jumped on me, and I thought that was kind of kind of cheap going, going going from behind. I mean, I mean that's if you want to if you want to hold me back, if you want to restrain me, go at me like a man.
0: The Cardinals manager just said that he actually had no issue with the way the coach tacked you to the ground. Just, what's your reaction? to that?
1: Well, I mean, I totally understand because I'm a big guy, I'm a big strong guy, and he his obviously the manager wants to. Uh, have protection for for his team and, and his staff and I totally get it and for me like I'm a big strong guy they don't they don't know like my temper they don't know what I could do I mean if I wanted to put someone in the hospital I easily could but I was just out there trying to protect my guys
0: there are some other funny things that happen in this none of them are funnier than stubby clap the woman reporter there mentioned the cardinals manager say that he was cool with uh, the way that things were handled And uh, I would have also called him the Cardinals manager because I simply did not know who the Cardinals manager was until this fight broke out. And the Cardinals were in the playoffs last year, and I'm not like someone who doesn't pay attention to baseball. Like I do pay attention to some level of baseball, and I can name you pretty much every other manager from every other playoff team last year, including the fact that Buck Showalter was on the other side of this one. And the St. Louis Cardinals, I think I said Arizona at some point here, the St. Louis Cardinals manager is named Oliver Marmel. I have no idea who Oliver Marmel is. I had no idea he was managing the Cardinals. I knew Mike Schilt had gotten fired because there was talks that Mike Schilt was going to be the manager of the Padres before the Padres got Bob Melvin. I just did not know that that was a real person and that was a real case uh, uh, or that was a real manager managing the St. Louis Cardinals. So I learned that. Also, there's a different angle of the video where as soon as the fight breaks out, one of the funniest things about baseball fights is that the bullpens run out to be part of the fights as well. And so one of the things that's incredibly funny is when the bullpens charge out And it takes them a long time, but they're like getting the energy up to go fight, but they have to run like 300 feet in order to get to the fight. And one of the great moments happened here where Giovanni Gallegos, who is a reliever for the St. Louis Cardinals, literally jumps over the fence. He could have gone out the gate. Everyone else went out the gate. He just decided the fastest way from point A to point B was to literally jump over the bullpen fence in right field to go charge the mound and back up his teammates. He literally ends up, it's such a great video because everyone else is like running down the steps, running down the steps like they're firemen getting ready to go to the truck. They're all like, oh, let's all go out the door. I'll go out the door. He's like, nope, we're just going to go straight up and over the fence, get on the warning track and dead sprint to the mound because there's a baseball fight breaking out and we got to go defend our boys. It was incredibly funny. I, I Trust me, go watch the video if you haven't seen it yet. It's incredibly funny. Not as funny as Stubby Clap. Still really funny, though. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in here to the Take It Easy podcast. We'll, we'll ha- we will have our NFL Draft recap show coming up here at the very end of the day. And uh, it'll come out, I guess, technically speaking, Friday morning. But you'll get all the NFL Draft coverage here on this beloved podcast podcast. We appreciate each and every one of you for stopping in here and continuing to support us. Take it easy, everybody. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.